0: The following episode contains graphic details of a violent crime. This episode will have content pertaining to a suicide and may not be suitable for all listeners. If you've had suicidal thoughts or suffer from PTSD, this episode may not be for you. If you find the things you hear become a trigger for you, please contact your nearest crisis center or National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Listener discretion is advised. welcome back happy new year
1: hey it's so good to be back I missed you
0: <laughs> No, I feel like it's been forever since we've had a chance to connect it's I know been like busy, such a busy um holiday season oh my gosh and now like getting into the new
1: year do you have any new year's resolutions well I the besides the obvious yes I do <laughs> <laughs> I do I have a big one um my big one is obviously to, um, you know, solve this case is my first one. How about you? Yeah, totally.
0: That is definitely one. And um, I'm also working a little bit on my health. <laughs> well, well
1: that oh, well, that's good. Because well, speaking of health, if you can't tell, I have the worst cold. So everyone has to bear with me a little bit on this episode. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely something
0: going around right now. Oh, but hey, listeners, welcome back, and welcome to the new year and the new decade. It's been a while, and it's so good to be back. A lot has happened since we were last year together. Um, we've been hearing from many of you over the last few weeks, and we're going to try to answer some of those questions that have come up. Last year, many of our constituents in the true crime world deemed 2019 the year of justice. We saw everything from the Golden State Killer, Joseph James D'Angelo, brought to justice to hearing
1: Samuel Little confess to 93 murders. Laney, don't even take me down that rabbit hole, because do you know it's even quite possible that Samuel Little could have been in the area of Northwest Tennessee at the time of Carla and Vicky's murders? And the Golden State Killer being caught was just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, I truly believe he thought he had gotten away with it. I mean, did you even know he was a police officer? It may have taken forty yeah. 40- <laughs> yeah, I mean, can you believe that <laughs> he was actually when people thought he was out trying to catch the gold i mean catch the golden State killer, he was actually committing his crimes. And it may have taken 40 years, but in the end, it wasn't fingerprinting or actual stakeouts that caught D'Angelo, but it was raw DNA files such as Ancestry.com and 23andMe that caught this prolific serial rapist and killer that flew under the radar all of these years completely undetected. That's crazy.
0: We aren't sure what 2020 will bring, but what we do know is that we are ready. As many of you <clears throat> may know, this year marks marked 40 years since the brutal murders of Carla and Vicki. It is time that their murderers are brought to justice. They, along with their families in the community of Dover, Tennessee, deserve to see this chapter come to a close. You may have seen, and maybe you have even signed, the petition that we put out over the holidays asking that the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation release any evidence that may contain DNA to paraphrase. We've been in contact with Carabond and they're definitely open to working with the TBI on this so as of today we have over 700 signatures um, so if you haven't signed yet please go go and sign um, what's really amazing is that that is more than half of the population of the town of Dover it's right now estimated to be a population of around 1400. Um, you may remember from previous episodes that much of the evidence is stolen from the back of an agent's patrol car So we're not certain of what is still available and what is not. But what we do know is that the girls' clothes should still be available at the very least. So thanks to everyone who's signed the petition so far. Each signature really does go a long way to helping our cause.
1: On January 2nd, former Stewart County Sheriff David Hicks passed away in his home. He served the public and law enforcement for 38 years. He served as Stewart County Sheriff from 1978 until 1996. Hicks went on to serve as director of the 23rd Judicial Drug Task Force and criminal investigator for the 23rd Judicial District Attorney's Office and then retiring in 2016. Most recently, Hicks was honored in his hometown at the Thanksgiving Parade as the Honorary Grand Marshal. We just wanted to take this break and take pause to say thank you for all of your help and support. It's because of you that this podcast has gained the momentum and traction needed to make Carla and Vicki a household name. Their story will be told for many years to come, and their family will know that they will never be forgotten. Again, thank you to everyone who has signed the petition and shared it to everyone. Thank you.
0: Amelia, when you were growing up, do you remember having a place in your small town that you could go and just park your car or cruise and meet up with friends, hang out, kind of like the meeting spot of the town?
1: Um, Did you have a place like that? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) In my town, we did. It was so funny. And that definitely takes me back to like a whole other time. And we had a place called the K&N. And it was like a little stock hop, I guess, I guess is what it was called. But it was like, we even had like a <laughs> telephone booth and that's where everyone would go to or yeah, everyone would go and you call, you just meet up. I mean, I don't even know how kids, I don't even know how we did it then because we didn't have cell phones, but it makes me a little sad that our kids won't experience that same thing, that same, same thing. And it's going to be completely foreign to the kids of 2020, you know, the phone booth and having, you know, set on the hood of our cars and. Our entertainment was literally just watching kids, you know, drive up and down the strip. And we'd sit on the hood of the cars and talk to friends and we'd have a little food and just hang out. That's what we did. That was what was fun, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's what we did too.
1: So let's talk about a place
0: in Dover called the Dairy Dip. The Dairy Dip was a popular hangout for everyone in the small town. There were always a lot of people there, especially on the weekends. From what we've heard throughout our investigation, it was no stranger to most anyone in town, and it wasn't just teens and young adults that frequented the dairy dip to hang out. All ages, men and women, were often at the place to see and to be seen. Depending on who you talk to, you may get different recollections on what the dairy dip was to them. But for the most part, it was your typical eighties hangout place. There was always a large crowd there. If you have a memory of the dairy dip you'd like to share with us, we would love to hear from you. Please please reach out and you can share anything through Facebook or through our phone number. But
1: what was really going on behind the Dairy Dip? Well, behind the Dairy Dip set two trailers, one of them being the Atkins residence. And as we mentioned in the first episode, Carla and Vicki lived on Route 79 when they went missing. But right before that, they lived in a trailer that was located right behind the Dairy Dip. So on occasion... As the party started to pick up at the Dairy Dip, partygoers that wanted to continue nefarious activities, they would that party would spill out back and into the Atkins residence, and they would continue their party. Presumably, they were being invited over by Brother Randy. Sometimes the trailer in the yard would have as many as fifty to sixty people partying there. So there was a lot of drinking and drugs and smoking at these impromptu parties that young Carla and Vicky were subjected to and witnesses say that they never once remember law enforcement putting a stop to it. However, there was one young deputy and was rumored to be smitten on Carla who on two occasions came to the residence and just sat on the hood of Margie Nell's car and just watched like he was observing once in uniform and once in plain clothes. From another witness, he never really interacted. He just watched Carla. A
0: lot did happen at that trailer before the girl's disappearance and murder. When we talked to you about deputy Byers running Greg Charlton off of the girl's property on two different occasions, the first time was when the girls actually lived behind the dairy dip. What happened next? We can only tell you from the first-hand account of what a witness has told us. It was just a few days before the Atkins family relocated to the residence on Route 79. And the girls, the witness, Margie Nell, Brandy, and Randall were all at the house when a car pulls up. The witness says that Margie Nell said to the girls, girls, go hide. The girls had no idea why they had to go hide, but they did as they were told. But they could hear a lot of arguing outside. So Carla and Dickie peeked out the window and told the witness, that it was Agent Jack Charlton and Sheriff Hicks.
1: What could they have all been arguing about? Well, several things come to mind, and we don't want to speculate. But could it have been about Randy's recent marijuana bust? It could have been about Greg's recent trespassing violation? Or was it something else altogether? If you were caught up with Murder at Land Between the Lakes, and you are looking for more true crime podcasts to listen to, tune in to Searching for Ghosts with Brendan Barnett. In season one, Barnett covers the case of Casey Lynn McDaniel from Myland, Tennessee, who went missing in 1996. And in season two, he covers the disappearance of Bethany Markowski, who disappeared from the Old Hickory Mall in Jackson, Tennessee, in 2001. You don't want to miss either season and listen to Barnett as he breaks down each case. Back in our roundtable discussion episode, we briefly mentioned talk about a gun. Well, we recently came across an article in the Leaf Chronicle out of Clarksville, Tennessee, published November 2nd, 1980, about trained canines searching crime scenes for evidence that can easily be undetected by trained professionals. Buried in the middle of this article, it ever so casually mentions that three weeks after Carla and Vicky's bodies were found in the area of Lost Creek, it was searched by a canine named Rebel. In this article, it lists that five things were dug up and found by Rebel. Here is what was found at the crime scene. A shotgun, shells, and body parts of the dead girl's bodies.
0: Amelia, what the
1: heck? They actually found the gun? Do we know that that is the murder weapon? Well, clearly this is not for us to determine. And the bigger question is, is all of this stuff in evidence or did someone get rid of this too? Now, of course, as any good lawyer would dispute, how do we know that this is the actual murder weapon and it wasn't left behind by someone else and not just a coincidence that another shotgun happens to be found in the same location as the girl's decomposing body. Well, I actually don't believe in coincidences, but if the gun can be found, science and the series of unfortunate events that took place will prove whether or not it is the murder weapon and trace evidence and DNA will do the rest.
0: In the recent weeks, we've come to learn that the TVI have been asking a lot of questions in Paris, Tennessee about another potential suspect. We don't have any other information to share at this time, but we will definitely keep you updated as we are able to.
1: Will this year, the 40-year anniversary of Carla and Vicki's deaths, prove to be the year someone finally pays for this crime? Also, did Sheriff David Hicks talk to anyone about everything he knows before he passed away, or did he take any secrets with him to his grave? We hope that anyone that is withholding any information comes forward and presents it to the District Attorney, Ray Crouch, as soon as possible. Thank you for listening to Murder at Land Between the Lakes. This is an Anchor production, hosted and edited by Lainey Sullivan and Amelia Courtney, at Discrepancy Podcast.